Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not go you. It's a trap! Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Show. Herod, I'm Daniel Pickett. I'm Jason Lindsay. And hey, you're back! I am back. Apologies to you and to all of our Uber fans, but um, the week just got away from me last week. We were in... Chicago. Um, actually, you know, we were in Chicago, but we're also in this lovely area called That is not a place. Um, damn it. Now, I can't think of the name of this area, but it was about about a half hour uh, sort of north from the city uh, for this wedding. And it was such a beautiful area. It was a very, very affluent area that this and, and this wedding, uh, you know, and, and all the guests that came in from out of town were all staying at the same it's it was uh, this it was called the Deer Path Inn, and it was sort of modeled after a a British uh, estate from like the 1700s, and so everybody stayed there. And then you know the 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 reception was there, the the ceremony was there. It was all like you know one stop shopping. Um, so it was just so great. Uh, it was nice to be back, but I have to tell you, it was one of the nicest trips. Just four or five days back in the Midwest made me very homesick. And the weather was gorgeous, and um, just that Midwestern nice that everybody has. Uh, everybody couldn't have been couldn't have been nicer, and it was it was a good it was a good time. It was fun. Yeah, of course, you know, being at, like in September, it's lovely. Had you been there in January, exactly. The my my wife was like, you know, I could I could maybe live here. It's like, yeah, let's come back in January, early February, see how you yeah. feel about that. But you know, yeah. it's just that that time of year that we don't. The, the the sort of vibe and the weather and the changing of the leaves that we don't really have here in in L.A. That's right. Uh, yeah. We don't get that gorgeous, you know, orange on the leaves and the the sort of that, you know, that wind, you know, that kind of windbreaker weather, I always call it. Where it's just yeah. We don't get we don't have seasons here. Kind of not. You know, like, did you notice yesterday how windy it was? Did you get that where you were? I did. Yeah. Wasn't that nice? It was, yeah. Like in the evening, it was like, oh, this this feels like fall. Exactly, didn't it? Feel like- but normally, it's like, it feels like summer, like nine months out of the year. Yeah. And then there's one month of rain. Yep. And then, you know, there's like May and June is just overcast. Mm-hmm. And now we're back. Yesterday, it was this beautiful, breezy, overcast kind of weather. And now today, we're back to like mid-80s. I, yeah. I don't mean to sound like we're complaining because, you know, we've got a, <laughs> right. we've got a pretty... Oh, it's so awful. Here. The earthquakes, we've got it pretty good. But but it's a funny story. As we landed, we're taxiing in, and I'm looking out the window, and it's a, it's a lightning storm. You know, it's thunder, lightning. It's like, I'm loving this. I'm like, oh, my God, it's like poltergeist. Isn't this great? Like, we don't get, you know, thunderstorms like that out here. You know, where right. it is rare to see lightning and rarer to hear thunder. Absolutely. And you know that whole, that weather where, like, the sky is kind of blue but maybe a little overcast and all of a sudden the clouds just come in like instantly in five minutes the whole place is pitch black and the rain comes down anyway i'm just commenting on how great this lightning storm is and like two minutes later the pilot comes on and says 
because of the lightning storm, they can't, uh, you know, bring out the, what do you call it, the Hobbit trail thing to connect to the plane. The jetway. The jetway to connect to the plane. So we have to wait until the lightning stops. And then once they've determined that the lightning is over and it's safe, then 20 minutes after that, will we be able to actually get off the airplane? That's fine. I mean, no one no one minds being on a plane after a long trip. No, of course Every, not. Everyone just enjoys their time, the company around them. Well, I turned to my wife uh, and I said, you know, this we could be here for like three hours. Like this, this lightning might not stop. And then they have to determine when it's uh, – and I just thought, you know, I thought two things. One, I was the last JetBlue flight out of JFK uh, toy fair. Was it 2008, 2007? Oh, gosh, yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. I was on one of the JetBlue flights, and the flights had stacked up on the runway. You know, they, everyone knows this story now. They, they, they thought rather than start canceling flights left and right and have to deal with more nonsense in the next couple of days, let's get all these flights onto the, to the runway and get them going, and they'll, they'll take off. We boarded that plane a little bit after 5 p.m., whatever day that was. I think it was Valentine's Day. I think it was like the, the JetBlue Valentine's Massacre. We boarded that plane a little bit after 5, and we didn't actually take off until around 1 a.m. And it was that whole thing where they had these regulations where people couldn't use the bathroom after until a certain amount of time had passed. They couldn't hand out waters. They couldn't give food, you know, and all these rules that they had. And then at one point they had to switch out the, the flight crew, the pilots, because they – They'd been there for so long. Regulations said you got to get a new, you know, pilot out there or whatever. But you've never seen people turn into. It was like Lord of the Flies. Like these New Yorkers, they, they turned into absolute animals. They, the flight attendants were sobbing. It was just, it was, it was bizarre. And all I thought was, God, please don't let it be longer than a couple of hours because people start they, they start to eat each other. Then get really, yeah. really gross. And the other thing I thought was, really. Really, lightning. We we can't get off the plane because of because of a lightning storm. You know, uh, Chuck Yeager like broke the sound barrier with three broken ribs. Right. Really, he didn't he didn't cry about it the next day. No, we can't. Yeah, we haven't. Especially places that have bad weather, you know, consistently each year. It's like they still have not figured that out. What's that? You know, like how to. Like I, you know, last weekend, I flew up to San Francisco, and we were delayed because of fog. Jeez! It's <laughs> like there's gonna be fog in San Francisco. You guys kind of need to figure that out. Well, the lightning thing, I just kind of go, you know, let it be my choice. Can you let it be my choice? I'm wearing rubber shoes. Can I get off? Yeah, just give me a thing to sign. I'll sign it. What are the odds that I'm going to get hit by lightning on the way out of a plane? But no, it's about the workers and lawsuits and all that crap. So. So anyway, after like an hour and a half, we got off the plane and everything everything went swimmingly. We rented a little mini, little mini Cooper, drove around. Okay. So we had our own car, and it was it was really cool. I'll get into more details uh, in a moment, but um, but it was a great trip. But that's why we're a week behind. My I, I take full responsibility. All right. Uh, so let's, I I also blame you. And you what? I blame you. Yeah, too. blame me as well. Blame me for. And oh. if there's anything else you want to blame me for, just throw it into the basket. Well, uh, so it's kind of we have probably double the crap 
to talk about. <laughs> We've got a lot, yeah. Because of, you know, not not speaking last week. So uh, let's get right to it. Let's tell everybody what you're excited about. Okay. Uh, I'm excited, and I could probably bump this out another two weeks, but I'm still excited about it because we're, we're in October. You know, by the time you're listening to this, uh, it'll be that, that first week of October. Uh, the last week of October, they are starting up a new six-issue Sandman series written by Neil Gaiman. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. It's been 25 years since Sandman started, and it was landmark. You know, it was a dynamite series like nothing I'd ever read before. It really sort think, of, you know, he had been bopping around, but that's the thing that, I, you know, obviously I think people think of him, I think in, in, in our world they sort of think of Sandman first. I think in, in other worlds people maybe know him from Coraline and stuff like that, but that sure. really put him on the map, you yeah. know, writing that book. Yeah, I remember I, I was, you know, I was in college and a buddy of mine brought it to me. I think they were up to about issue eight. He was like, you just got to read these. This is, and at the time, I feel like I was still reading a lot of Marvel and stuff. Yeah. I had sort of made the DC switch back again because I was a DC kid as a kid. And then, you know, sometime in junior high, I made the switch to all Marvel through high school. And then, you know, Buddy brought me like the, those Sandmans and the, the Grant Morrison Animal Man. And uh, I read those. And I was just like, what in the world? It was just mind altering <laughs> how good this was. Uh, and so for him to be coming back, uh, and doing that, and it's it's a storyline that ties into the original first issue. Okay. He's telling a story that was sort of left out. It was like in the first issue of the original series, like Sandman comes back from this war he was having, and he was weakened, and a bunch of his stuff had been stolen, and he gets captured. So this is what happens leading up to wearing him out and him being captured. So it's called Sandman Overtures. And the first issue comes out uh, on the 30th. So really looking forward to, to seeing that again. That's cool. Did you ever read the thing he did, uh, um, the Marvel thing he did? Oh, God. 18, 1806? Was that what it was? was I thought I was going to say like 1306. Was 1806? Was that it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Or 1607. 1607. Yeah, it was further back. Did you ever read that yeah. book? I did, yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I did too. Because, you know, you were trying to put it together as you're reading it you know, who these archetypes were, like who these characters were, yeah. because it was a, you know, an Elseworlds type thing. And he surprised me half the, like half the time it was pretty obvious and you kind of got, well, well that's supposed to be Peter Parker and that's supposed to be whatever. And then he would, I'm not going to ruin it for anyone, but there just were these great surprise moments in there where certain characters turned out to be other characters in the Marvel universe that yeah. you just, I didn't put together. And you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like it was, Really cleverly done, I thought. Um, yeah. Would would make a great, you know, feature if they could ever do it. They never could, but I thought it would, always thought it would be great to do like an animated feature or something based on it. Yeah. Oh, totally. You know. And and the other the great thing, and he he did this in Sandman all the time, where you know he sort of ran things in story arcs that would be you know three issues, six issues, eight issues, and almost every single story arc that came up related back to like a line of dialogue or just some background character or something, just the whole, I don't know, I think it was like 88 issues or something, the whole run of it, kept tying back into previous just what you would think is throwaway things, mm. but ended up being significant. Wow. Yeah. That's like what the producers of Lost wanted to do, <laughs> yes. but never paid off. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's cool. Welcome back, Neil Gaiman. He... um 
he's, he's, you know, it's funny. My introduction to Neil Gaiman, uh, you might, you might uh, know what I'm talking about or, or, or recognize this, but I remember seeing his name in the world of comic books. And when I first did, it was one of those, and this is like pre-internet, where mm-hmm. I was like, how do I know that name? It's bothering me. What is it? And it turned out that there was a book written uh, called Don't Panic. Did you ever read this? Yeah. It was like uh-huh. the companion book to the Hitchhikers series that uh, yes. Douglas had, because they became you know friends after that. But this this was this was um, I want to say at this point there had been four books when this book so this book came out in '88 I want to say, mm-hmm. and at that point there there had been four of the five books. And a few other things. And this, but this was sort of the Bible, again, pre-internet. This would have been the Bible for anybody wanting to know more about Douglas Adams and the history of the books and everything else. It told you everything you wanted to know. It was written by Neil Gaiman, yep. who, uh, you know, he, I don't think at that point he had done anything in the world of, of fiction, really, had he? Uh, Sandman, I think, was 89. I think he maybe done a few things comic things but yeah i don't think he had written a book his first novel that he wrote was good omens that he wrote with terry, terry pratchett. pratchett yeah and terry gilliam yeah. was going to do something like that for the longest time oh, i still wish they would that would be brilliant yeah yeah no he's he's uh he's wild and he lives doesn't he live in minnesota now yes he does because i one of the um articles i wrote for for afi was about a, a, a visit a few years ago to minnesota and i went back to all the comic shops and the in the, in the cool bookshops that I used to go to, you know, 20 some years ago. And one of them was called Dreamhaven. And it has this whole section, the whole Neil Gaiman section. He must come in and do signings fairly frequently. Uh, but, you know, half the section that they had was all signed copies of, of, yeah. of all, all of his stuff. So I picked up a, a Sandman compilation and I think a copy of uh, Coraline because the movie had come out right around then. And he, I got a signed mm-hmm. copy of, of Coraline. Um, so yeah, he's in Minnesota and he's, he's married. Is he married to Amanda Palmer or are they? No, he's still married to Amanda Palmer. He's yeah. married to Amanda. So they did get married. Yes. Uh huh. Right. So he, you know, uh, the whole Kickstarter thing with her and everybody knows her through that and the stuff we've been talking about. And they've done a couple of kooky things. They've sort of filmed online where he's written some stuff and she's acted it out. Did you ever see any of those? Yeah, they did. They, they did like a project of like five songs oh. that like Ben Folds was involved in too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, I, I will. I might pick that up myself because uh, I like his stuff. I am excited about um, this weekend. By the time you got everybody hears this, the weekend's over. But uh, the new HBO series "Hello Ladies," hello ladies, with Stephen Merchant is uh, airing Sunday night for the first time. I'm very excited about this because I think this guy. I really think he's one of like the unsung heroes of comedy. You know, Agreed. I think his stuff, you know, he hasn't been on camera that much, but what he has done, I think he's just effortless. And uh, if anybody doesn't quite know who he is, if you've ever watched uh, Extras, he played um, Ricky Gervais' character's agent in, uh, in, in Extras. He, he, he was always part, you know, he and Gervais have been partners. They used to be in a comedy, I think Rubbernecker was the name of the comedy group they were in, the troupe. Um, but they became writing partners, and so he's co-responsible for The Office and Extras and Life's Too Short and all that stuff, uh, but not on camera nearly as much as Ricky Gervais. Um, and I think he's hilarious. He's just, I think he's about six foot seven. 
In fact, I read yes. this recent interview with him. He's like 6'7", maybe yeah. the tallest man in comedy. But he's just got one of those, you know, the, the physical appearance, the body, the eyes, the face, the, you know, everything about him is like you have to get into comedy. Like it just makes sense that he would be a comedic, you know, performer, writer kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And it looks like a, a fun show that he's the single guy in L.A., uh, unlucky in love, trying to get out there and compete against the no-neck Joes that uh, always get the gal, apparently. Yeah, trying to not be himself. Trying to not be him, himself. Yeah, the, the clips I've seen are very funny, and he's yeah. he's uh, a very funny uh, physical actor to me, it seems. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's um, I hope it's great, and uh, I know he'll be good in it. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. In fact, he was also wasn't he in? He had a role in Hot Fuzz, didn't he? He had a very small part in Hot Fuzz. He was the <laughs> he was the farm. I'm farm. He was the farmer called. Uh, he calls up. And um, he says his name is is uh, is it Staker or Taker P S Taker or something? And then Simon Pegg thinks he's being fooled by some of the guys in the office and thinks someone's calling up saying Piss Taker. And, uh, and he's like, Oh, that's really. And the next shot you see is him talking to Simon Pegg about the swan that's gone missing. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. And he was also in um, what was the other one he was in? He was in a. It was one he's of, been in a lot of stuff, and some of the mainstream stuff he does has been terrible. Yeah, he's he 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 started to pop into films, but he did what's the? It's one of those films that was like, you know, like an Owen Wilson. I think it was Owen Wilson and Jason Sudeikis, like like one of those comedies like that are out every six months, and it's like, you know, there was a, I'm Hall Pass. Was it called Hall Pass? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, I think he was in that. I think he was one of the the married guys in that. That they were all trying to say how cool they were and like you know what it would be like yeah. if they were single again, sort of thing. I think he was in yeah. that. I think you're right. Yeah, and he was also on the Ricky Gervais show where they animated the oh, conversation. Yeah, what am I thinking? Carl Pilkington. Yes, of course. That's. I mean, that may be the funniest thing that he does. I think. Yeah. You know, because I love that. I mean, I think that's. That animated thing. I mean, I always thought the podcast was funny, but the animated version of it, I think, could be the best thing they've ever done. Because I think you're right. Just, yeah. It's brilliant that you know they go. It goes into a story, and then the, it's animated. The, the ridiculous story is animated, uh, and he's very, very funny in that. And that's all, of course, unscripted. Um, so I can't wait to see this thing, and um, I'm very much looking forward to it. So I think it's a natural segue then. Uh, talking with that uh, about Stephen Merchant. Did you finish watching Derek yet? I did. I watched the whole, the whole series. I thought that was amazing. I thought it was good. I thought it was, um, I thought, it, you know, he's, he's had these, uh, warm sort of, you know, heartwarming kind of moments in, you know, his shows that, yeah. that they, they, you know, you think, you know, a certain character, but he's showing you another layer and it gets kind of, you know, heartwarming. Um, Clearly, this thing was he was setting out to do something very different, yeah. not playing the same type of character that he always plays. And man, there were there were moments that really got me. Oh, absolutely! You know that were very very well done. And um, and I defy anyone to watch that last episode and not just come unglued. Well, here's the interesting thing about it for me was that because his his persona is so big, you know, like you see Ricky Gervais. It, that, that, you know, I always say that Bill Maher, the uh, real time with Bill Maher on uh, HBO, 
I, I love I love the show. Um, mm-hmm. I like Bill Maher. I don't love the guy, but I like him because I, I stand by the fact that whatever's going on, and he, he seems to call – he's definitely more liberal, but he calls everybody out on their shit. And he's the only person on television that's, I think, really able to do that. You know, he, he can he can truly say whatever he wants. He's not an anchor for a, a news network. You know, like in that world of politics and social commentary, he can kind of say what he likes, however he comes off, uh, you know, whatever, however he comes off looking. But I also say that he's the, the only person on television that he is exactly what he is on television. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, uh-huh. Yeah. Like even when you see Letterman and you know, Jimmy Kimmel, any of these guys, like you, you know Letterman is pretty much, but he's not going to give you everything on television. It's Dave Letterman. Yeah. He's going he's to keep a lot back. I think Bill Maher is the only guy that's sort of saying and doing whatever he wants. Ricky Gervais is pretty close to me because it's, it's that, that fine line of is he really being sarcastic making this commentary or is this how he really feels? <laughs> right, yeah. You know, was that really a joke about Ethiopia, or, you know, or was – you know, I mean, was he being serious about that or was he, you know, so that's been a huge thing to, I think, sort of get over and get away from because yeah. he's the same in everything kind of. It took me a good two episodes to just give in to this show. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the first episode you watch, you can't help but think this is Ricky Gervais with funny hair and making a funny, <laughs> and making a funny voice. But I think right. it's a testament to how well he plays it and how well the show is sort of played out uh, that you start to give into that. And by the third episode, I was like, he's this guy. You know, it's this character. It's not. At, yes, that Abby and I said the same thing. Third episode, he really relaxed into it. And it wasn't just sort of a series of ticks. Yeah. It, it, uh, he was very he, he sort of found what he was trying to do. But it's it was shocking to me because when you think about Ricky Gervais, you know, oftentimes, like when he's hosting the Golden Globes and stuff, he is hired to be in things because he is snarky. Yes. And so for him to put together this project that's absolute core is just be kind. Yeah. It just seemed so at odds with what you know Ricky Gervais, but... Absolutely. It's a, it's a, but, it's a total... But now that you say, you know, sort of hearing you, it's like, yeah, when you think about like the end of extras, how that snuck up on you, yeah, and the, and the office, end of the office too, yeah. yeah. He's he, it wasn't so much his character in the office, but but he had that moment with um, was it the I don't know if it was the second series or the Christmas thing or what it was. Do you remember when he finally, you know, meets a woman that and it's going pretty well, yeah. and that that friend of his that was always coming into the office. I think David Koechner played him in the in the in the American version was yep, always yep. bursting into the office making sexist comments and whatever. Well, you know, and Gervais never stood up to him. He always took his shit, kind of. And then in that last yeah. episode, there's a moment where he tells him off, where yeah, he's, yeah. he's finally found some happiness. And it's like you go, whoa, where did that come from? You know, like it doesn't have to make me feel bad at the end of every one of these episodes, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, He so he's had that, that gift to kind of – and did you ever see Ghost Town? Have you ever seen that film? I've seen it a couple of times, yeah. That is a much – I don't know why that didn't do anything. I thought that was – I think David Kep wrote that thing. I think he wrote yeah. and directed it. I think that's a good movie. Is yeah. it, it, you know, as a, as a premise and when you see it on the poster, you're like, oh, really? really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's – for some reason, he ends up seeing ghosts. He has the ability to see ghosts and Greg Kinnear, something happens to him where he's a ghost and he – 
uh, is bugging him to wrap things up with his wife, who's still alive, Tia Leone. And it's just you see this on paper, and you're like, oh my god, what year is it? You know, is it 1995? Yeah, yeah. But it works somehow, and I think the reason that it works so well is his performance. He really and he's a shit. He's a shit of a human being in this movie. Like yeah. he just he he he. It, the great thing about the premise of the script is, you know, this is not a people person. The last guy that wants to be bothered by living or dead people is this guy. Right. He doesn't yes. want to be around anybody. Uh, and it works, and I think he's really good in it. And I don't know many people that have even seen that movie, um, but he's definitely got a, a warm streak. And uh, I thought this was good. I would, you know, whether I would own it or you know watch it again, I don't know. But I thought it was very well done, and I love the the friend, the dude that's always boasting about women. Oh yeah, yeah. Is it the last episode or the one before the last where he's talking to the camera and all the truth starts to kind of come out? Yes, yeah. That makes you just kind of squirm and cry at the same time. Yeah. And, who, and even even Carl Pilkington is dynamite. He's great in it. I mean, he's kind of playing himself. But, but, he, but he, again, I look, yeah, but I look at it and I go, where did that come from? Like, I, yeah. he was, when he, when those uh, family members are there trying to get the goods from the woman that just passed away. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. That's his best scene. Yeah. When he tells them to you know, piss off. I mean, he, and I'm like, where did this guy come from? He's terrific in it. You know, yeah. it makes, it, it did make me wonder a few times where I thought he's so good in this. You know, it, I did have a couple of moments going, is the Pilkington thing like a real thing? Yeah, is he really I agree. That, that, I said that on the show a couple of weeks ago when I saw the preview, I'm like, how is Pilkington a character in this? You know what I mean? Because he's so he's so believable that I go, I wonder if if the whole Pilkington thing has been bullshit because he's so convincing in this. I I would believe that he was this character that they that they built on the podcast. You know, but the but the, the you know they it can't be because the the reactions are too natural on the podcast. Yeah. The frustration is too real for him to for it to be an act i think i don't know but but again i mean the stuff he's saying on the podcast to some degree is the stuff he's saying in the show i mean he's still coming up with a lot of those same really skewed observations yeah so, totally. you know no. and we, we know there's a certain amount of improvisation that goes into any ricky gervais project so yeah no, he, he, was, he was the right guy for the role but he was great in it that was I, everyone was just dynamite across the board yeah yeah I, oh yeah everybody and the woman i forget who the woman was i don't know if i've seen her in anything but she was great yeah, yeah, that was that was it was definitely worth seeing. So I, I would totally recommend that to uh, to everyone. Uh, Very pleasant surprise. Yeah, it's on. It's a Netflix exclusive, so uh, only seven episodes, half hour, totally worth your time. Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. So you, so we're in the midst of uh, new new shows, premieres, and new shows, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, uh, we can't go too far into this episode without talking about the elephant in the room, which is Agents of Shield. Yes, I'm sure I can speak for both of us and say that it was probably the show we were looking most forward to. Um, yeah, probably in the new season, just because it's like, oh my god, it's Marvel doing a TV series. It's Joss Whedon. You know, when has this happened before? Never. Yeah. So, um, what were your thoughts on Agents of Shield? I mean, I wasn't disappointed in it because it was exactly what I was expecting it to be. Really? Yeah. 
I mean, I knew it was going to be kind of a Joss Whedon-y thing with, you know, the clips I had seen, uh, you know, sort of snarky. And, you know, there were some fun moments where I liked that it was still very tied into the Marvel Universe. They talk about gamma radiation. You know, they talk about extremists. There were like buses with Stark Industries on the side and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I my hope is it's just a pilot, and that was the establishing thing. But, yeah, it wasn't a lot to get excited about. Oh, my God, you're being awfully nice. I thought it was terrible. I thought it was – and I don't watch a lot of network television, but I, I could not believe how bad the acting was, how bad the characters were, how terrible the lighting was. The lighting and the direction in this thing was awful. The only saving grace I thought it had was uh, – what's his name? Agent uh, Blah Blah, played by – Agent Coulson. Yeah, Agent Coulson. And, of course, we've got this – oh, and Ron Glass. Ron Glass. What am I thinking? How can I not tell this story? That day, I was bopping around town. I go to uh, the Grove, the lovely Grove here up on Fairfax. Yes. And as I'm going to my car, I see a car behind my car. I do the little alarm thing, and I notice the car starts to back up because he clearly the driver was like, oh, this guy's leaving. I'll take his spot. And as yes. I come around to my car, I look in the window, and it's Ron Glass driving the car. Detective wow. Harris from Barney Miller. Shepard Book from Firefly and Serenity. Little did I know he was in... The S.H.I.E.L.D. pilot, I don't know if he's going to be a regular or what, but uh, I thought that was so cool to see him. And I, I did the unthinkable, and I'll tell you because I did it twice in one day. I turned back to his car and I said, oh, my gosh, I have to meet, I have to say hello to you. I'm such a fan of your work. And, you know, I didn't want to make him feel old, but I was like, all I thought was I used to watch Barney Miller. And he was my, my mother's favorite character on Barney Miller was Detective Harris. Okay. And I, so I said, you know, I've been watching you since, you know, I was a kid and I'm just, I just love your work. So I'm so glad you're, you're, you know, you're out there. That's great. And he's like, Oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. He was, he couldn't have been nicer. Then I head over to target, you know, for the weekly pickup stuff for the, the pad. Right. I get in the elevator with Grant Morrison. Really? Yes. And it's one of those double, triple takes, you know, and it's either his, I think he's married, so it's his wife. And I'm just like, that's fucking Grant Morrison. And he's wearing sunglasses in the elevator. And we get off the elevator and, you know, I kind of just turned to him and I said, you know, I, I hate that I'm going to be this guy. But I said, I would be kicking myself if I didn't shake your hand uh, and, and say hello. And he said, oh, great. Oh, what's your name? It's nice to meet you. And I was like, oh. that's, a, that's a really good Grant Morrison. <laughs> Thank you. And he does have that really high Scottish Yeah, he's, sort, he's sort of very light, like a very, very quiet, like, what's your name? Oh, great. Oh, that's great. Nice to meet you as well. You know, he couldn't, he was so cool. And I shook his hand. I just said, it's, I really dig your work. And, uh, uh, you know, thanks for everything. You're, you're quite the inspiration. Like, oh, great. Oh, thank you so much. You know, great. And then he ran as fast as he could with his wife to get away from me. Uh, but I thought I just wanted to go, you know, 10 minutes ago, I just met Ron Glass, Shepard Book from Firefly. How cool is that? So that was a cool thing twice in one day. But anyway, that is. And it's rare for you to walk up to people. It's very, very rare. But I thought, how can I not, you know, especially after just meeting Ron Glass, how can I not say something to Grant Morrison? I really want to know what Grant Morrison got at Target. I know. I, you know how badly I wanted to follow him and see? Because oh. I'm telling you, you make fun, but I'm telling you, the Target on La Brea and Santa Monica Boulevard 
is is the greatest target in the in the world. But it also I have seen the oddest collection of folks at that target. Remember I saw one of the hobbits there. I do, yeah. Uh, and there was another time that I was there with Joe Dante. Yeah, you saw Joe Dante buying like Q-tips, buying Q-tips and, and gardening tools and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I have the greatest sightings at that place. I'm just gonna start hanging out there. Yeah, it's Grant Morrison's target. That's his local. Wow. So yeah. So anyway, I thought Shield. I, I'm. I am not gonna stop. I'm gonna T-ball the whole thing. I'm hoping for the best. But I was so. I didn't even finish it. Like I. Oh, wow. I walked away to like you know. You know do the dish and whatever, anything to get out. And then I sort of came back and caught like the last four or five minutes, but I thought it was terrible. And I see so you're the first, you're the first person I've seen that hated it. I, Every other comment I saw was, eh, or it was okay. It was, some of the dialogue was so bad, but, it but having said that, I, 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 I demand there is like a four minute trailer on the internet right now. For that Robin Williams CBS show. Oh, yeah, the crazy ones? I, I, I'm begging you, please, watch this four-minute trailer. It is, it is as if, you know, the, it's the kind of thing that, like, a sketch troupe would put together in a show to make fun of a, a network show. Like, oh, the gosh. things that have to be thrown into a network show. Yeah. Um, it's extraordinary, this this thing you you've got it you've got to hear these jokes you've got to see this thing, um, and there was some Whedon stuff in there where I'm like oh that's a Whedon joke you know that's a that's a Whedon you know colloquialism or you know whatever um, but I just I also couldn't, couldn't help thinking you know there really is a, a rich universe of Shield characters and second and third tier characters that couldn't stick in this show you couldn't you got to invent all these new the the, the girl living in a van was just just ludicrous. Uh, and I thought the effects were terrible. I was yeah. I was shocked at how bad the effects were. Yeah, you know, for a, for a network show. So I was very disappointed. Um, but I will I will you know keep going. Hope, Speaking of disappointment, for more what? Oh wait, don't if it's about Dexter. I have I have not seen any of this season. Oh, okay. Okay, you can't. You can't. Sorry, right. I'm sorry. You can't because I, I'm I'm behind. This entire season, I'm going to get some screeners, so I'm going to watch the whole thing. But all right, but you just have to wait. I'm sorry. Well, I've not been a fan of the whole season. So You haven't or you have? I have not. Oh, okay. Well, let's move on to lighter things. All right. But what, what other new shows? Like I saw Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, okay. Which is uh, Andy Samberg and Andre Bremer. Right. Uh, Andre Brower. Aaron De Brower, who that's right. Andre Bremer is the guy that I used to work with. Uh, ouch. Really? Yee. It's funny yeah. because that seems to be one of the shows that the critics, you know, on their little short lists of interesting shows this season, that seems to be one of them. Yeah. Well, of course, he's dynamite. Sam? Andre is he? No, no, no. Brower? Andre. Oh. Brower. Yeah. He's great in everything. And, you know. I'd watch him read the phone book. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, I loved him in Men of a Certain Age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that Last Resort show where he was the sub captain that oh, was fantastic. Yeah. I forgot about oh, that. He was show. Excellent. In Did that. you ever so, see the movie? The, the I always talk about this. The the Frank Darabont, the Mist, the Stephen King thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought I and I, up until the, literally the last minute and a half of that movie, 
I, I, I loathe the ending. I, I hate it. And for yeah. those of you out there that haven't seen it, I can't really discuss it and give you my reasons for hating it. But up until that point, I think it's a fantastic movie. Like, it's just so, such a microcosm of what would happen when the shit breaks down, you know? Uh, yeah. But Brower is great in it, in that yeah. movie, because he's the neighbor, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's terrific in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's good in everything, that guy. He's, he's really something. Uh, and then you saw Dads, which I saw the pilot of. I watched the pilot. I haven't seen the second episode. Yeah. But I, I knew going into that that was going to be not great. Because it, it was pretty universally railed on by critics ahead of you time. You pretty much knew from the billboards <laughs> which, yeah. what you were going to get with, with that. Um, let's talk about uh, – And I watched the Michael J. Fox, the two episodes last I, night. I think that's – you know, again, you know how you say like you kind of know what you're going to get? Yep. But there's something very sort of reassuring about it that yep. I like, and it's it's hard to watch it and not have this overwhelming sense of, of like goodwill and wanting it to work because of him. Sure, yeah. You know, you should if you haven't read it. The did you ever see the Rolling Stone cover, the the, the issue that he was on the cover of? No, huh? He, uh, this I think the issue that's out right now or the last issue. It's this incredible article uh, following him around for a couple of days. And you've got to read this thing because it really goes into the history of the disease, you know, what he's gone through, the sort of optimism that was there, the things that he was told by doctors. Like he was told by doctors back in 1990, you know, 91 or whatever it was or, or 92, he'd luck if he'd get another, you know, seven, six, seven years of acting and that would be right. it. So he's defying the odds, it seems, in every way with, with this stuff. But he's, you know, he's also – when you see him on the show, like that constant move, like that is his regular day. He's, he's, that body is sort of always moving. But in the article, it, you know, they, they, there were a couple of moments where the drug sort of had worn off and you, okay. and you saw the real effects of this disease and what it's, what it does to, to the body. Uh, uh -huh. It's, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking. I mean, to, to, for anybody to go through this, but the guy's doing it in public and it's, I think it should be championed just for that, that we haven't seen something like this, you know. So I hope it works. I hope it sticks around. Yeah, but it got creamed last night, apparently, by that Robin Williams show. So If that Robin Williams show ends up being one of these freaking shows that runs for like five or six years, I am going to have to leave the country. I am telling you, I if you watch this trailer, you... I don't know where to begin with this thing. And, and whoever thought Sarah Michelle Gellar was like you know, the answer to comedy in a sitcom, in a sitcom I, I don't get. Uh, but you got to see this thing. It's, it's atrocious. I think it had like 15, 16 million viewers last night. Jeez, God. Yeah. It was the winner of the night last night. Oh, my God. With the lead-in of the Big Bang Theory, of course. Oh, my God. I don't know. Is that CBS? Yeah. Oh, right. It's, it's on CBS. Okay. Oh, okay. Anyway. It's the Tiffany Network. Moving on. Um, did you see World War Z? Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Oh, okay. I finally saw it. Okay. I, I, I thought it was all right. I don't know. I, people seem to really trash it, but I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, we enjoyed it. You know? It, I mean, I think, I think the problem for people is that it was World War Z and name only. It wasn't, you know, because the book is just sort of a series of, like, correspondence and reports and stuff. Uh -huh. It's not like a through line. Uh-huh. 
And of course, you can't make that into a film. There had to be like a through line. And but I thought it was I thought it was interesting and fun and you know. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was uh, you know first off, there's obviously the oversaturation of zombie stuff, but I thought what I liked about it was for every dumb thing or every two dumb things that happened, there was something fairly smart that happened. Right. And there were moments, again, I don't want to say too much or give too much away if people haven't seen it, but there were a couple of moments in particular that I really enjoyed and was very impressed because I, I sort of stopped and said, I've never seen that in a, in a film like this before. Mm-hmm. Or, or just the sort of, sort of you know, fact of you know, that, that it, things went along and they didn't feel the need to have the character turn to the camera and say, you know, so just for those of you that can't keep up, here's what's happening right now in this story. You know what I mean? Like those, there's a moment in Minority Report, everything's going so well, and it's, it's such a smart movie, and it's a great sci-fi thing. And then at the end, a character gets on the phone with another character and lays the entire plot out over the phone. And yes. It's obviously been put there for the, the dopes in the audience that can't keep up. And you just go, why did you do that? Let us be smart enough to figure out. And so there were those moments where Brad Pitt's character was more of an observer. And then it sort of, yep. it paid off later on in the story that I thought for a big budget, you know, monster flick like this or whatever, that it, it, it did some, some pretty smart things. And there were some dumb things too, but, but it did some pretty smart things that, uh, that, I, that I was impressed with. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought it was better than people... Um, have said speaking of monsters and uh, October I yes. have to talk about this because this is to me this is the biggest thing to hit pop culture in 30 years uh, the monster serials traditionally come back around this time of year the General Mills monster serials of Boo Berry Count Chocula and Frankenberry yes. uh, and I I don't know if they're everywhere or they're just at Target I, I don't I'm not hip enough to know that but they always have them at target along with the other four aisles of halloween stuff well this year they have not only brought back yummy mummy from the 80s which is the monster cereal that that has kind of got an orange like an orange soda like a creamsicle kind of flavor to it yes they brought back fruit brute yes i nearly fell off the couch when I read this or whenever it was, I saw it on the internet or something fruit brute for those of you that don't know and are younger than us, uh, was the, the, the forgotten monster cereal, the monster cereal that came out. I think it was like 78, 79. I think it maybe lasted a year or two, but he yep. was the werewolf. It was the werewolf of, of the yep. batch. And, uh, and it looks like werewolf droppings. It looks like werewolf dropping. Well, now they look like little ghosts. Oh, now, really? okay. like, now, now the bits look like the cereal bits look like ghosts, and the oh. marshmallow bits are kind of shaped like bats or something. Okay. Okay. Naturally, I got a, a box of each, and a box of blueberry, uh, and I may stock up on on fruit brute because it's just I, I remember fruit brute. I mean, I remember getting it as a kid and loving it, and I remember some of the the great cereal prizes because the monster cereals always had great prizes. They also had that great Star Wars promotion. Do you remember that where they had uh, either trading cards or stickers? Yep, those, yep. Those larger kind of square stickers and all the monster cereals. You had to get you know any of the monster cereals you got, you could get a sticker in there. So you were constantly you know hopped up on monster cereals trying to get all these all these stickers. Uh, so welcome back, 
yummy mummy and especially fruit brute you have been gone for a very very long time and uh it makes me very nostalgic to have that little box in the house with fruit brute's uh, picture on it so to answer your question about where are they uh they are available everywhere oh good oh that's great but but target has the sort of vintagey looking boxes oh okay so they i've heard this now they've got like more hip-looking boxes, and then Target's got the vintage ones. That's correct, Okay, yes. awesome. Uh, yeah. I wish it was the same cereal. You know, I wish it tasted like it did. I know the difference. And yeah. I, I wish the bits didn't look like little ghosts and looked like they used to, but because it used to be just, you know, cereal bits, and then the marshmallows looked like little baby marshmallows. Yeah. And then ever since that damn leprechaun had to make them into shapes, you know, everybody had to copy them. I agree. But yeah, I think I think I still have one box of blueberry left from last year because I found them on clearance. It's probably still good. And I just I stocked up on Oh yeah. Cuz I love that stuff. Absolutely. Chocula is probably my favorite. Yeah. And then blueberry was always uh always But Chocula, Chocula and Frankenberry were available a lot longer. Yes. They weren't they weren't seasonal. The rest of them dropped away and now, you know, they're they're Seasonal once again. You know, it's funny. It led me to a, a website. I wish I, I should have posted or find it, but somebody has put together this great article or this site that is all the forgotten cereals for the past, you know, 30-some years. Okay. And there's pictures of them and then sort of descript- – either, either they put up commercials for them as well that they found off YouTube or they put up, you know, pictures you – know, uh, descriptions of what the cereal was. So it's everything from, you know – Batman Returns, you know, cereal back in 92, but it goes further back to like Crazy Cow and stuff like that. Uh, and it's very, it was very nostalgic to go down this list and think of all these cereals that had uh, like, like Freakies. Remember Freakies? Yeah, yeah. You know, like stuff like that. Uh, it was a very cool website. Uh, I saw another website that I was going to send you. I can't remember if I did. I, I may not have. But there's a website where a guy went and interviewed all of the ladies that were in like famous eighties videos. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And they're extensive interviews. It's crazy. Oh wow. I'd love to see that. I need to send you that. Yeah. I'll I'll post it. I might've seen that because they talked to like one of the, one of the women in the Robert Palmer video. Yep. I might've talked to, they talked to like the girl from the, you know, Tom Petty don't come around here no more. I think I might've seen that article. Yeah. That, but it was because I, cool. I yeah. worked with that lady at Disney. Oh, that's funny. I'd love yeah. to see that. Um, so uh, DVDs, we got to talk about Iron Man three because I just came out on DVD. Yeah. Did you pick it up or have you watched it again? Uh, I haven't yet. I need to because my wife never got to see Iron Man three. So yeah, I just love it. I just think it was it was great. Um, the DVD's got loads of extras. It's got another. Uh, Marvel one shot this time with uh, Agent Carter, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is kind of fun. It's probably the weakest of any of the one shots that they've done, but still kind of fun. Um, but I just you know I want to say this again if you have because you need to see it again and your wife needs to see it and for anybody out there that's going to see it again. One of the things I think it's strongest about you know all of these movies, but uh, you know the, the, uh, this Iron Man three in particular. Is how great Robert Downey Jr. is. I think we all kind of take it for granted now because he's just so effortless in this stuff. But I think he's 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 always like giving a thousand percent 
with this character. You know, he's he's he's, he's taking something as far as he can take it, um, and he's just I think he's just terrific in this this third one uh, playing Tony Stark. But there's a moment I want you to look for when um, Rebecca blah blah the British actress well, I forget the character she played. Um, Tony Stark has just made the threat uh, on television, you know, to yep. the Mandarin. And he's yep. at his house, and the girl from the prologue, I forget her name, the character name, but the scientist from the prologue shows up at his house. Yeah. And we don't know this, but Gwyneth Paltrow's upstairs, and she comes up to Tony Stark, and he remembers who she is. He says her name out loud, and under his breath, he says to her, he looks at her and says to her, please don't tell me there's a 12-year-old kid out in the car. Yes. And she goes 13, actually. And there is just this little moment about half a second after she says 13, actually, that Downey does this thing with his face as if he's just been, like, shocked with an electric current. He just does yes. this quick little moment where his eyes just go, like, like you just, you know, stopped his heart kind of thing. And I didn't notice it when I first saw it. And I just think it's, it's such a great little moment that is such a throwaway that you won't catch. And it's, you know, knowing how much they improv this stuff, maybe it was the only time he did it. I don't know. Um, but it's such a great little moment. I'm like, that's why he's so good at doing this. You know, he just, he, he fills up all the spaces with great stuff. Even when he's in the background, he's doing something interesting, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I just think he's, he's great uh, in the part. Um, so that just came out. I also picked up, um, what did I pick up? I picked up, uh, Barnes and Noble is doing this uh, Criterion Blu-ray thing, where it's like buy one get one half off kind of. Thing. Oh yeah, yep. So I picked up uh, Quadrophenia, the movie from 1979, uh, the the Who project from 79, and I picked up uh, Days and Confused, the Richard Linkletter movie, oh, uh -huh. which I just love. Um, so I, I grabbed those on Criterion Blu-ray and loaded with extras, all kinds of fun stuff. But it's a great, um, great sale going on. They do it like three or four times a year with the Criterion stuff. You know, buy one, get one half off sort of thing. Uh, very cool. And I also uh, nabbed uh, the CD set, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, the new box set that's come out. I think it's called Okay. Uh, he, to me, is one of the true geniuses in the pop rock, soul, world, whatever you want to call it. Um, clearly his own worst enemy, but um, just an amazing body of work. And it's a really great set with lots of stuff that no one's heard before. So you're saying you did not pick up Star Trek Into Darkness on Blu-ray? Right oh, I did pick up Star Trek Into Darkness, and I want to say something. Okay. Uh, I, I want to... Uh, this is not the forum for that. You and I, you and oh. I were pretty tough on this movie. Yeah. And I stand by most of what we've, what we've said. Seeing it again... And I've actually watched it twice since it's, since it's been on DVD. Uh, once sort of, you know, watching it, once sort of in the background. And uh, with all the flaws and all the references and the stuff, I enjoyed it much. Okay, I'm just going to clarify this. I enjoyed it much more the second time, you know, seeing it again. And I started to forgive a lot of the stupid things that happen in it. And there are a lot of dumb things that happen in it because I – I find myself really digging this cast and, and liking what, you know, most of them are, are doing. But the, the second that Kirk goes into that room, you know, and you realize, you start to realize, oh, they're doing, 
They're doing Wrath of Khan. They're really going to do this. The yeah. second he goes into that room, the needle just comes off the record for me. It, okay. it just becomes a completely different movie, and I start to scream. So it's, I, I think I'm trying to sort of soften you know, how we originally felt about it by saying it's, it's, it's not the disaster that, you know, as terrible, quite as terrible as I said it was or thought it was. I'm forgiving more stuff because I like the cast and want to see where they go with this. But the second they do that and, and they can't make up their mind what they want to do with this character and everything else, it's hard to forgive all that stuff. Have you seen the thing of the red letter? Is it red letter media? Is that that thing I'm thinking about thinking of? For Wrath of Khan? Or no, it's, Star Trek it's the, the thing that's out there called, is it Red Letter Media, where they do the, you know, the guy, Mr. Plinkett, when they, was, they were doing all those, the guard talks like this when he's talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they did a thing called Into, I think it was called Into Reference. <laughs> okay. And the entire, like, three minutes, three and a half, four minutes of this thing are showing you, from beginning to end, all the references in this movie. Okay. And when they lay it out like that, you go, oh, my God, the whole thing is a – the whole movie's a reference. The whole movie is a callback, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of stuff that they, that they make fun of, and they really go to town on uh, all the con stuff, you know, from the second movie. Uh, but I, I did pick it up because I've got all the movies. I, I, but I've heard there's nothing on the DVD, like no extras. No. The like tar- people really been out of shape about that. The Target Blu-ray – no, as Star Trek DVDs go, there was a lot more last time and a lot more on the on the classic movies. But it does have like I think a half hour, forty minutes of behind the scenes stuff, and it's got like a blooper reel, I think, and a couple of other things. But no, it's not extensive. You know, but, yeah, I know but, I know a lot of people are disappointed by that. Yeah, no, you 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 do feel like they're holding back for like a year from now to release a different version or something which is infuriating, but it's got right. like special packaging that they only had at target. But don't you find that there are less and less um, sort of exclusive things like that are happening at target and Best Buy these days? Uh, it does feel like we haven't seen one in a while. Yeah. Or like an extra DVD that comes with the thing. That's like a making of that you can't get anywhere else or some, some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I did, I did pick that up. So there I'm doing my, I'm doing my part. Uh, what else is going on? You know, the Thor, speaking of Marvel stuff, all the Dark Worlds, uh, a lot of the toys are out now. That's right, yeah. They're making their, right. making their way out. Some, some creepy creature dude called Monster Face. What's he called? <laughs> I think it's Monster Face. The Monster yeah. Face? Yeah, yeah. There's a Monster Face, there's a Thor, there's a Loki, and I'm sure there's going to be a, a Christopher Eccleston coming soon. Yes. And then We saw him at Comic-Con. So. There's like a... A Thor hammer that lights up and makes noise and stuff. So all that stuff make, is making its way out. Yep. There's new Teen Titans figures. Yes. From the animated uh, series. Yep. Teen Titans Go from Jazzwares. McDonald's is doing a set of Batman toys from Beware the Batman. That's right. Which, and then the next one they're doing is after that is Star Wars Angry Birds. Oh, okay. And Monster High. Uh, well, the Batman stuff I had to get because I thought, you know, there's it doesn't sound like anyone's got a master toy license for Beware the Batman. That's right. Which is I well, I mean, messed up because it's it's one of the sh- it's like the the, sh- the characters look more different than they have in a long time, and there's a lot of characters like they're not going with the classic rogues gallery. 
So no. make these characters. Let's let's get some. And then they made a Batman, which I haven't found, but I'm I'm looking for that. Um, the Mattel six inch. Yeah, if you see him, please grab one for me if you can, because I I okay. can't find him anywhere. Um, yeah, I haven't seen him yet. Uh, yeah, they're not doing a mass toy license. So, so McDonald's did, uh, you know, a little Batmobile, a little bat cycle, stuff like that. little mask you can wear. little mask you can wear to, to bed at night. Yep. Um, and, uh, what else is going on, like, in the toy world? Are you picking anything else up or getting anything else? Uh, for the last, you know, I, I, what did I get recently? I got, I finally found the Joker for the 66 Batman line. Oh, Okay. Uh, still haven't found a Batmobile yet. Still looking for that. Oh, you're kidding me. No. Oh, man, I wish I'd known, because the, the first thing I ever saw was the Batmobile at Toys R Us, and they had a ton of them. This is this is a month ago, a month and a half ago. Oh. I mean, I, I, I've only found one Batman ever on the sh- on the shelves, but they had a ton of those Batmobiles wow, before okay. they even got the figure. So I just figured that every every store had them. Or was my Toys R Us just reset and changed its whole layout now, so there's a spot for it at mine, just none there yet. You know, so I'm I, hoping I they, hope they get those in. About the um, the Batman stuff, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because one of the things I did in Chicago was meet up with Alex Ross. As you know, we yep. we finally met in person. I had some lunch. Went over to his house and you know got the tour of the the museum and all this stuff which is just too lengthy to even go into um this just the cool 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 stuff and the custom stuff and the stuff that he's done and everything else but and the life-size stuff and the life-size stuff which is very cool but i i I didn't i also didn't want to be the friend that comes over and takes a bunch of pictures so i didn't do that but we've got some cool pictures you know together with everybody and um you know, just just because you know we've been friends for so long and finally met and 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 got to be in in his studio in his in the office. Uh-huh. And one of the things he was working on, I don't want to say too much, but involved sixty six Batman and Robin. Okay. And I'm 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 looking at the piece as it's being uh, being put together. Very cool. But I also I realized at the same time that I love that show. I mean, we grew up with that show in, in reruns and. It was obviously a big part of our childhoods and a gateway for so much stuff, you know, that 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 show. It worked for us. You know, I, I don't think we knew how campy it was as kids, you know, how silly it was. Right. We just loved it. But I realized that I don't have the uh, the attachment to that the way a lot of people do. Not Not saying I don't like it or don't enjoy it, and I probably won't get the DVDs, you know, whatever, but like – all that stuff that's coming out, I, I, I think it's all beautifully done. It's cool looking and the, the 12-inch figure, all that stuff. It's just – when I think of Batman these days, I think of Batman the Animated Series. I think of Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck. Speaking of dazed and confused, uh, a, young, <laughs> a young Ben – what a cast. Good yeah. Lord. Just about everybody in that cast went on to do amazing stuff. And Ben Affleck is in there as that jerk. Uh, yeah, but you know, it, I, I I tend to just when I think of Batman, I tend to to go with Kevin Conroy and the voice and all the animated stuff. That's that that becomes my go to version of of Batman. Okay, um, I don't have the attraction that a lot of people do for the '66 show. 
Uh, I, don't, no, I don't. I I just ordered the two hot toys, Batman and Robin. So. Yeah. No. Again, I, I, oh, I, I, it's a good thing that I don't because I would probably have all that stuff. So maybe it's a good thing, but. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't have the nostalgia for it. Like the way I have nostalgia for Star Trek, you know, like the old, the old show. Like yeah. I'm not even a Trekkie guy, but you know, that show I could, I could watch, you know, four episodes in a row. I couldn't do like, you know, four hours of the ba- 66 Batman. I just couldn't. I, I, okay. I would lose my interest. I don't, I don't know why that is, but it just, yeah, yeah. There's just something about it, but the stuff looks looks great. But um, I haven't seen any of the, you know, I, the the Joe. The only Joker I've seen, I actually went to a a comic shop in Chicago called Chicago Comics, a uh, pretty famous uh, comic shop in the Midwest, and they had all the '66 Batman stuff. And that's the first time I saw the Joker. Yeah, uh, I got them off Amazon. You know, they have them for fifteen ninety nine on Amazon. Oh, so. nice. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen him in um, in a store. I haven't seen any of the figures in like a mass, you know, big box store. I've only seen them at like specialty stores and stuff. Oh yeah, no, I just I was lucky to f- I found one Batman at Toys R Us like hanging on a peg uh, that someone left behind because his card was like bent or something. <laughs> but uh, but I picked him up. But um, anyway, it was a, it was a cool trip. And it was a cool meeting with with Alex. Uh, one thing I have to talk about though, and I didn't take a picture of it, but whatever. He's got. Um, uh, his 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 wife likes Indiana Jones. is a big fan of everything, and he's he had done. I remember walking to this one room and all this indie stuff and, I, and posters, and I was like, "Now that's one I've never seen before." And he said, "Well, that's that's because I did that, and it's just a one-off that no one's ever seen. It's a painting he did of Indiana Jones, oh, for his wife, and it's really cool. And uh, it was one of my favorite things uh, in in the house of all the." The cool stuff that he had. He had one other thing that was really cool, and I, I want to just talk about it real quick because I think it speaks to all the stuff that we in, were into and why we love this stuff. And you know, well, I think I was talking about this recently about like you know us clinging to the material stuff that we do, and like if somebody you know brought in a, a fresh mint box of something, and we had the old beat up one from as a kid, we'd we'd want we'd keep the beat up one because it's right, it was, yeah. you know. It was our thing. Um, he's got in a frame, in a big old frame, you know, matted sort of thing, uh, the Captain Marvel T-shirt, this yellow T-shirt that he wore as a kid in like the first or second grade. It was his favorite T-shirt. Captain Marvel is like flying out toward the front of the shirt like he's coming out of the thing and like Billy Batson is a little figure sort of in the background. And in this frame, he's got not only the T-shirt, but then a picture of himself in the second grade wearing the T-shirt. So his class picture in the second grade, he wore that T-shirt to picture day. That's cool enough. But above the photo is the original artwork that the design of the T-shirt was taken off of. Oh, that's cool. So he managed to track that down, and it, 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 I've done some research, and it might have been done by Neil Adams, because he was doing a lot of that stuff in the 70s, yep. um, and it's in this frame. So he's got the original piece of art, the picture of himself in the T-shirt, and then the T-shirt itself. In this, oh, that's cool. And it's really cool, because you just go, well, that, you'd have to hang on to the shirt, you know, from when you were a kid, or your mom hung on to whatever, have the picture that you wore that day, and you have it wearing that day, and have the picture, and then track down that original piece of art, yeah. put it all together. And I thought, boy, that's the 
that's the definition of the collector sort of brain. You know how? See, I've got I've got some. I don't know. If, have you been to my house ever? No, never. Oh, uh, so I've got something kind of like that where, uh, you know, as a kid, I carried that Super Friends lunchbox. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the uh, sorry, the Super Friends or the Marvel one. I'm sorry. Which, I have the, the. I mean, I had both of. Well, I guess my brother had the Marvel one. I had the DC one. Okay. Uh, and I still have that lunchbox that was mine as a kid, but. Uh, on eBay one time, I just found the original painting that is the top, sides, and bottom of it. Oh, that's cool. And so I bought that. It was I got it for a steal. And then I bought a second lunchbox and had it unfolded and framed with it. But I do have a picture of me carrying it, too. Like oh, that's cool. First, that's really first day of first grade. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, I would... Uh... I love all that stuff. Like any of that original art that you can track down for the stuff that we we were so into, that's that's really cool. I would I would love something like that. Um and you had the Marvel lunchbox too with like Fantastic Four on one side and then like Spidey on the other. Yep. Yeah. I had that. Yeah. Cool. I I've I've got I I think I've rebought it. Well, I, I don't have any of that stuff now, but I had that and I also had do you remember the Superman one for the movie? Oh yeah, I had that one too. Like I must have got a new one each year. Yeah, I think we all did. Yeah, because I sell my my Star Wars and my Empire one too. I had a Star Wars one. I don't think I had Empire. I think by that time, I don't think I was bringing my lunch to school. But I had. Uh, do kids still have lunchbox? Like, do they even make lunchboxes anymore? Yes, they're plastic now, and then a lot of them aren't licensed necessarily. And you just have like one sticker on the front and a thermos. Yeah. Right. Whereas before we, the thermos thing yeah, is kind of weird because then you you have to hope that the thing is because it's supposed to keep it cold or you know keep it fresh till you have lunch, right? Right. That's the think the thinking. That's the thinking. Yeah. Uh, I remember cracking a kid in the side of the head with my with my Marvel lunchbox once. Uh, I just remember my best friend Tim had like a Jabberjaw lunchbox. Wow. I was like, that's pretty obtuse. Yeah, like to love Jabberjaw that much that you're, you know, you're looking through everything in the store and go, oh, that one. Yeah, go with the Jabberjaw. Well, he must have been like a Jaws fan or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was once on the bus, and you know, I was a short kid. I mean, I'm still short, but like I was, a, you know, I was a short kid. So most of the kids in grade school were, you know, they tried to mess with you. You know, you had to sort of, probably foolishly, you had to kind of push back. And yeah. I remember being on the bus once, about to get off the bus. And some kid kept messing with me behind behind the seat or something, and then we stood up to get off the bus or something, and he kept pushing me. And I had my lunchbox <laughs> right hand, and I turned around and just cracked him on the side of the head with the lunchbox, just knocked him down. Oof. And, uh, yeah, I got him real good. He's like, eh. And uh, never, never messed with me again. And I carried that lunchbox for the next 25 years. <laughs> Come on, try it. It still has a dried blood on it. Try to mess with me. Speaking of all kinds of stuff, and we're gonna have to wrap this up soon because you got stuff and I got stuff. That's uh, correct. But I thought I'd tell you a little, get you, give you a little uh, insight on some of my uh, voiceover madness that's been happening lately. Getting in for a lot of animation, a lot of, a lot of animated stuff. Uh, you know, movies, uh, animated series, you know, demos, things like that. And I know you're a fan of the comic. Bone by Jeff Smith. Uh, for years, they were trying to do um, a movie or yeah. a movie or a series or something, and it 
might have been at Disney or Sony. I forget who sort of was messing with it for the longest time. And now it seems to be over at Warner Brothers, and they're putting together a uh, sort of a teaser kind of thing, like a, like a, a minute and a half, two-minute sort of teaser. And okay. uh, I went in and read uh, for the part of Phony Bone. Oh, okay. And the animated thing. Uh, I don't know if it, it, you know, it's probably just for an in-house uh, thing. Uh, I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, you know, if, after that. But um, I thought that was kind of a fun thing. Because aren't you a fan of Bone? Don't you? And you, didn't you read that book? I was never a, a Bone guy so much. I thought I you read. Bone. I thought it was Bone. Well, am I getting it mixed up with with Cerebus? Cerebus. That was it. That was it. Cerebus was the, was uh, Dave. Dave Sim. Dave Sim. Okay. The barbarian Aardvark. That's right. Not the little yeah. white bony, not the little white um, goofball. That's right. I mean, a lot of people loved it. Make no mistake. I, mean, I thought that's, um, that must be what I'm getting. It's like Rosaris made figures. And, and didn't you, uh, did we talk once about, about uh, uh, Cerebus that he was, that he had wrapped it up or something? And, or was he doing a Kickstarter or something? He did a Kickstarter too. Yep. I think that's it. I'm getting, I'm getting Cerebus. Yeah, I'm definitely getting Cerebus mixed up with Bone. So you're, so you're not a Bone guy. No. Oh, well then you don't care as much as I thought you would. That's right. Well, maybe someone out there will, but uh, I'm sure they will. A fun, Very fun little audition to have. But um, anything else you want to, you want to hit before we, we say goodbye to the folks? I think real quick we will hit our listener of the week. Oh, okay. Which is Nate uh, Bertich, uh, who you kind of butchered his name last episode. I did? You did, yeah. What did I say? Uh, I think you said Nate. Oh, did, did I? Yeah. Because he was the one doing the artwork uh, for those things you could get for the uh, Power Lords fan club. He's an artist. Okay. And then uh, I ran into him at PowerCon. Okay. Got a booth, and he was selling prints. And he was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm a huge – I love your guys' show. I listen to you every week on my commute. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, you're going to love this new episode then. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> we screw up your name. Oh, yeah. he's not – I hope. hopefully he's, he won't hold that against me. Uh, Nate, if you're listening, please don't hold it against me. I, I butcher everyone's name. And he said everyone butchers his name, and you could actually just put like a belching sound in his last name, it'd be close enough. So if I could do that on cue, I might. And you know, we're kindred spirits then because no one's ever gotten my name right. My whole life. They always have to, you always have to spell it for them because they never get it right. So, uh, what do they, how do they try and spell it? Like L I N or something? Yeah, they do like L I N D S E Y. Oh, okay. You know, um, they, ne- it just never occurs to them to spell it that way. Cause again, and they, they hear it and they think, Oh, uh, you know, are you German or, you know, whatever. But they, when they see it, they know it's Italian. They know it's an Italian name yeah. as soon as you, you see the Z in there. Well, Nate, Nate is a super talented artist, uh, just does amazing stuff. Oh. Uh, and he's been doing some work for the, the Four Horsemen. He actually moderated the Four Horsemen panel at PowerCon. So. Oh, very cool. Well, yeah. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for listening. And uh, apologies about the name, butchering it, but um, I'm sure you understand. That's right. And uh, keep listening. We're glad you're such a such a fan. We are. Oh, and I'm, I'm going to mention one more thing just because it's relevant, yep. because by the time everyone hears this, they will have watched the last episode of uh, Breaking Bad, which I'm sure will be amazing, because every episode this season so far has just been fall off your chair amazing. Okay. 
there's a very fun, and I'll put a link in the show notes, but there, uh, you know what Yelp is, the popular review site? Yes, I do. For like restaurants and all that. Well, someone has created a uh, Los Pollos Hermanos restaurant in Albuquerque, and there's all these Yelp reviews that relate back to the characters on Breaking Bad. And it's a really, really fun, funny read. So, oh, okay. Uh, I'll, uh, of course, it's not a real place, but uh, someone someone found a way around it on Yelp and and uh, plugged it in there. So, so that's, uh, but that's, is that wrapping up this week or something? Is that what's happening? Sunday, yeah. Sunday the 29th is the final episode. Did you ever see the um, – was it – was it Leno or was it Jimmy? No, Jimmy Fallon did a, a spoof. Did you see that? I did, yes. Uh, I thought that was pretty good, even though I'm not that versed in, um, you know, in the show. Uh, yeah. Did you happen to see, and again, there's another thing just to leave everybody with this. Uh, did you happen to see the, the, uh, the Jimmy Kimmel thing spoofing the Kanye West interview? Uh, I didn't see that, but I saw the next night when... I guess Kanye called him and was threatening him, and yeah, it's 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 kind of cute and kind of funny, but it's it's it, they they basically reenacted parts of the interview with a couple of kids playing Kanye, and then um, the interviewer um, was it Zane Lowe, I think, did it at BBC Radio, um, okay. and it's it's pretty funny, and that's I think that's what he's responding to. I think that's what he's freaking out about. What Kanye West is freaking out about the clips. It's pretty funny, Kimmel you know, is joking about the interview itself. They show a couple of clips, and it's he's clearly out of his mind. Uh, but then the reenactment is very funny and very cute. Uh, the kid playing Kanye is very funny. So okay. if anybody hasn't seen that, uh, check it out. You'll get a kick out of it. We'll see if we can find it. Anything to make fun of uh, Kanye West, I'm okay with. Yeah, take uh, down yeah. one other thing I should just mention, because I think it's going to wrap up before this thing, this, this ep- we get to the next episode. There is a, a Kickstarter up um, for a Jerry Anderson project okay. called Gemini Force One. It's something that Jerry Anderson was working on um, you know, towards the end of his life. Apparently he couldn't – he got so far with it, and then you know, he, he got Alzheimer's. And things started to kind of change with his memory and writing and everything, and he had to sort of abandon it. But his son sort of picked up the baton, and they're doing a Kickstarter trying to get uh, this project. It's basically going to be a series of e-books and then, and then printed books with these characters, um, and there are some other things you can get. Uh, but if you go to Kickstarter, look up Jerry Anderson's Gemini Force One. You'll get all the information about it. They... They're looking for uh, 24,000 pounds. They're at 22,000 pounds right now with seven days to go. Um, hopefully it's going to happen uh, because it's, it's anything to keep, you know, the Jerry Anderson sort of legend alive that he was still mm-hmm. trying to create and get shows off the ground and different things. And for those of you that don't, it doesn't ring a bell, Jerry Anderson, he's the man whose name, you know, loads of people were responsible for all these, you know, these shows and these projects, but his name was on everything that it was um, – He's sort of the, the godfather of, you know, super marionation and shows like Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, Joan 90, Space 1999, uh, UFO, and they started using humans, um, just loads of stuff. And uh, I thought I, this thing caught my eye and I thought it was kind of cool. I never talk about the Kickstarter uh, thing uh, as, you know, endorsing anything. But um, so check it out. If anybody's interested or a Jerry Anderson fan, um, his last project, essentially that he would have been working on. Very cool. Yeah, Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes so people will be able to see it. Awesome. 
Uh, okay, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for waiting. Sorry we missed you last week. We'll try not to let it happen again. Um, but again, I take full responsibility. And I blame you. And perfect. Then we're all in agreement. All right, then. Have a good week, everyone. All right, thanks. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. Secrets of nature's deepest mystery.